Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. Sunday Crunch Time. Driving ball, top of the square. Porter got two lead two here. Dixon goes in and Dixon kicks the goal in the opening 17 seconds. So he's starting right up hard against the fence. Man on the mark is just 20 metres out, but a metre in from the boundary. He kicks this from right on the chalk. Oh, oh, that's how you thread the needle. Marshall's got four. They have got nothing here, Sydney. No imagination, no ball movement, no control. Mills, that looks like it's going to be cut off as well. He goes looking for McCartney, 3v1. Bonner from 55, has a go and puts it through. It's been a must win for Port Adelaide. And Georgiades gives away the free kick. It won't matter. The siren sounds. And that keeps Port Adelaide's season alive here at the Adelaide Oval. They have beaten the Sydney Swans comprehensively. Port Adelaide keep their finals chances alive, stunning the Sydney Swans at Adelaide Oval by 23 points. A 15-minute power surge in the third term doing the damage. Just tapped it to Toby Green. He can go goalward and go bang. And Toby Green has three for the turn. Norton lost his feet, got hands to it, crumbing the ball. McNeil, the substitute for the Dogs, puts it through for his first of the night. He has the run of Toby Green, 10 metres off an opponent. Still looking to move it quickly. From 48 out, he's going for number seven. Makes no mistake, Toby Green. But for the Dogs, they get the win under their belt. A 20-point victory against the Giants. It keeps their season alive. An old-fashioned Saturday night shootout, the highest-scoring game of the season so far, and it's the Dogs that come out on top, despite Toby Green kicking seven goals for the Giants. Aaron Norton and Cody Waitman combined to kick ten. We'll unpack all of that and more right here on Sunday Crunch Time. Good morning, everybody. It's great to have your company wherever you are listening today. It is a lovely day here in Melbourne. We have blue skies, a little bit of sunshine about, a little bit fresh outside, but I hope you're warm wherever you are listening. Nat Edwards with you and a former Docker and Gold Coast son and also the coach of Werribee in the VFL, Michael Barlow, joins me this morning. Welcome to you. Yeah, good to be here, Nat. Yeah, big round of footy, isn't it, in terms of uh, the bye and off-field. There's a bit happening in the world of AFL, but uh, nice to spend my Sunday morning here with you. Oh, it's great to have you on board. Just the one game of footy to mm. wrap up um, round 14, of course, today. Gold Coast and the Adelaide Crows. The best till last, I know. Well, <laughs> it could be last. because Gold Coast... They, if they win this, given that St Kilda and the Sydney Swans both lost this weekend, it opens the door right up for these it, Gold Coast Suns. It absolutely does, doesn't it? So Richmond have, have flexed their muscle in the last month of, of the season to jump in to the eight. If you look at the eight as it stands, oh, it's Sydney tight. and St Kilda uh, off the back of the yeah, underwhelming performances over this weekend and St Kilda you know, dropping the ball uh, last weekend against Brisbane. It never really looked like 
getting the result there. But two losses in the row to the Saints mm. make them vulnerable. Collingwood are up and about. The Doggies... Last night did what they needed to do in the Suns. Yeah, there's a big watch on them today. Yeah, certainly they're six and six at the moment with a chance to get their seventh win, which will bring them in line with the Bulldogs. And the Bulldogs, of course, have a pretty tough run over the next month or so. In fact, every game is pretty much oh, tough. Yeah. It's, it's so easy. And uh, it will, I, I swing right down to 18th on the ladder. Yep. The West Coast Eagles, they're only going to get better. So they uh, are going absolutely horrendously. But yesterday was a step in the right direction. So... Uh, and that's why it's professional sports. Uh, no game uh, should be roll up, get the win, walk away. So there's going to be, uh, yes, a fascinating watch uh, over the back half of the year. Yeah, it certainly will be. And if you're just catching up with results from round 14, it was the Cats that clawed their way into the top four following that win over a spirited Eagles outfit. The Bombers, well, they handed St Kilda a reality check, putting a dent in the Saints' top four hopes. The Tigers downed the Blues on Thursday night to jump into the top eight and Carlton slipped out of the top four. Those are the other results on top of, obviously, Port Adelaide and the Western Bulldogs getting the job done yesterday. What have you liked most from round 14 so far? Mm. Because last night was certainly one of the best games I've seen this season. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I did that game for AFL Nation. So to feel um, involved in a game which going into the – into the round, you're looking at you know, GWS Western Bulldogs. Where are these sides at? It's it's you know not as um, not as sexy as the Thursday night fixture, Richmond Carlton and whatnot. But 125 to 105. What I saw uh, from that game and what I really did enjoy. I love the way Luke Beveridge coaches and his side. They're always going to give you a ch- give you a chance. The way they play, they they connect around the ball, like they like to outnumber around the ball, and then. Flick, 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 and go. They've they've tried to do it for years and years, and and done it really, really well. Um, they ha- hung in there last night because the Giants, to their credit, first half thirty four inside fifties, mm. and should have been out by five or six goals. And and if you're out by five or six goals at halftime, you're a little bit more comfortable. You've got a little bit more wiggle room to play with. But the doggies were so efficient when they went inside forward fifty. The old fashioned shootout. Cody Waitman five in the first half. How good's that for footy? And then Toby Green. Kicking Unbelievable. seven. So it was, um, yeah, pleasure to, to view that in the flesh. Yeah, it was amazing. We'll talk about Toby Green in a little bit more detail and this game as well a little later on in the show. When you look at the dogs, so they're just outside the eight now. And we, we were talking about how tired it is. I mean, of those teams, Richmond, Sydney, St Kilda, Collingwood, the Bulldogs, Suns, Port. I mean, who are you mm. seeing as sneaking into those final spots in, in the eight. Yeah, I, I still really like Sydney. Um, so I, whilst whilst they're in the eight, you know, I think they hold. Um, so for mine, there's there's one spot there, you know, with St Kilda um, starting yeah. to, to show their vulnerability. And for, from those four outside, I, I love the dogs. So they're a side at their best. Um, you know, their top-end talent takes them a long way. Their vulnerability is their back half. And, and they, they took another blow last night uh, with Taylor Jurey, Um most probably yeah, doing a, a season-ending injury, which is a real shame. Mm. He was a direct match-up for, for Toby, Toby Green. I know. So, so it goes down. <laughs> um, and poor old Bevo, whilst they would have had a plan B, uh, the plan B yep. wasn't going to be as effective as plan A. So I, I do really like what, what the dogs do because they back in what they're really good at. And they've got a great midfield and a great front half. Josh Bruce is, you know, the sleeping yes. giant for them. Jamari Hagen, he, he's only getting better. He's still 
a little bit off the pace. So their midfield and front half is great, as we saw last night, scoring 125 points, but they are susceptible uh, in their back half. So long way to answer your question, that. Bulldogs. The, the doggies for mine uh, are, are the side to to make their way into the eight in the back half of the year. Yeah, I just think Port Adelaide have probably left it too late as well. Obviously, that 0-5 start to the season. They're 6-7 mm. and seven now, so they've recovered pretty well. I mean, they've still had no Travis Boak yesterday, no Robbie Gray for the first time in 10 years, but you look at their draw coming up, and it's pretty much do or die for them here on out pretty much every week. So they've got the Gold Coast Suns next week, Fremantle, the Giants, Melbourne, the Cats, Pies, and Richmond. So they've got mm. a really tough run home as well. You'd imagine they might drop a couple of those games, even though I still think they're actually up and running now. Yeah, and they're similar to the, my um, discussion around the Bulldogs. Port have got a list together that at their best, you know, they, they can take on anyone. Yeah. And right now, you look at their hot, top-end talent of Xavier Dersmill, who was the sub yesterday. He's been made to to earn it. There's been a bit of stagnation around a couple of their players that have been around for three, four, five years um, that just haven't taken their game uh, to the next level. So they're a, they're a different looking side right now to what I expected at the start of the year because you know, the top end talent haven't really delivered to the to the point that um, you know would justify where we think they're at. So yeah, I think they're up against it, um, Port, but they will do exactly what they did yesterday to a number of sides in the back half of the year and and show exactly what they're capable of, but uh, too little too late for mine. One of the things I really loved uh, this weekend so far in the footy is seeing these mid-season um, rookie draftees mm. come and, and make their AFL debuts. I mean, it's ridiculous to think that, you know, 17, 15 days or so ago, they weren't on an AFL list and now they are, some of them, playing really good football on their first match. I talk about Massimo D'Ambrosio for mm. Essendon on, on Friday night. Like He did some great things in that game for the Bombers and he just looked looks like his smile, it's kind of contagious. Yeah. He's got this energy about him. The fact that, you know, his entire family was there. I think they did roaming um, Brian on on Channel 7 and you had, um, you know, his grandparents there. It was just a real family affair. It's just really nice to see mm. players getting an opportunity, in particular for some of these young kids who have barely played footy over the last two seasons due to COVID, so they weren't able to show their wares in their draft years. And, and what it's showing... If we take the a couple of players from last year that are um, you know, going absolutely super, James Peatley unfortunately did a hamstring yeah. last night, but he'd kicked three games in a row, kicking three goals. Yeah. And we spoke to him after the match on AFL Nation last week after they beat North Melbourne and kicked another three. He said he'd never really played forward. He was mainly a halfback mm-hmm. and midfielder. And what that says to me, that these mid-season draftees, I implore clubs just to go find guys that can play and then – teach them and, and plot them in wherever you need around the edges like they've done with James Peatland, who's been a part of the GWS program for a long time. Um, so that, that's a great story off the back of last year into this year, how he's going. John Newcomb, you know, the pin-up boy for, for mid-year draftees and Sam Mitchell. Uh, yeah, coaches don't have favourites, but I'd imagine John Newcomb <laughs> is right up uh, I, I the, he's the, one. the alley <laughs> of Sam Mitchell who coached him at Box Hill yeah. last year. So th- those guys – should give Massimo D'Ambrosio, um, r- players like Massimo D- D'Ambrosio, real um, confidence that their careers are are going to flourish. D'Ambrosio is young, so he's uh, I think he's nineteen, so yeah. he's right, um, you know, on the younger end of what a mid-season draftee 
will look like. Watching him, I'll make a bold call and say he'll play 200 games Ooh. because uh, he just looks accomplished at a level, looks unflappable. Yeah. Um, yeah he's, he's got the attitude. I, I know that for a fact. He's He was loosely uh, attached to the, the Werribee Footy Club uh, in the early stages of the pre-season before Steve Morris and the Richmond Footy Club came and swept him away and and took him and and kudos to Steve Morris and the VFL program there that um, turned him really quickly into a top-end state league player at 19 years of age. But, I mean, you you would see that, you know, every week coaching in in the Mm. VFL. There are players out there who just take a little bit longer too to develop as well and find their feet at at the level. Yeah, and like I said about the James Peatling, I I just implore – recruiters and people in club land that are looking at these leagues and looking at players don't look for what they can't do. Look for what they absolutely can do. And if they can play really good footy at state league level, I guarantee you it it transitions because you put them in the full-time environment, you fix the deficiencies that you will, um, you will attach to them and, and away they go and off they go. They just, they improve more than your NAB league guys and and underage guys coming in because it, it's they're grown up more. Um, they haven't had the opportunity to have a full time uh, career or fully put their time and effort into footy. So um, they're great stories, and and they're stories I'll continue uh, to look forward to what uh, to watch the the Port Adelaide youngster that went oh, down. Oh, Bryn Teekle, that yesterday. was so. That was he was actually playing so well in that game. Is you know come through from the waffle and um, he's. He's a real talent, really, the the big ruck. And um, unfortunately broke his collarbone, came off the ground. He looked like he was in immense pain. You could just see it all over his face. Came off and as he went down the race, he he raised his good arm to the crowd and he's he's posted on Instagram as well. He's, he's posted on Instagram. Oh, I think the painkillers kicked in pretty quickly for Brie, <laughs> yeah. uh, which having had a few significant injuries myself, uh, you know it when you see it. Yep. And he's in the hospital bed. With the arm in a sling, thumbs are up, and uh, he's just said, how good's a W1 debut at Port Adelaide Footy Club? I love the pair. And, yep, yeah, he's in the hospital uh, all nestled in. The, the quote was, wasn't it, uh, as he came off in in agony, you know, that was the best 35 minutes of yeah. my life. So, no doubt. It, it, at, at its purest form, you know, we'll, we'll talk about, we'll get to some off-field issues where we can, you know, dissect and, and overanalyze at times, but... Um, that's what we love about footy and the stories attached to footy and and the fun attached to footy we saw uh, in full display with Port Adelaide yesterday. Yeah, and the pure joy and, and you know, Sam Durden as well, another one who unfortunately on debut uh, on Thursday night hurt his knee. So I think he's going to miss a month. And the, the curse for Carlton's defensive stocks uh, certainly continue and they're going to have, uh, you know, a, their hands full um, over the next month or so, working through what they're going to do. I don't envy Michael Voss and the coaching group. All right, we're going to discuss plenty more on Sunday crunch time. Up after the break, we're going to chat about the Giants and Bulldogs shootout from last night. You're listening to Crunch Time. You're listening to the award-winning Crunch Time. Yeah, we didn't defend well enough in space. And um, and at, at the turn at half-time, it kicked a couple of goals to centre-bounce. It's um, really difficult to defend. 
And, and so there were elements that we weren't pleased with defensively, but um, the contributions across the board from the boys was, you know, was impressive. It was telling in the end. Obviously, they had a couple of injuries which hurt them. Um, they played a brand of footy that really challenged us. They, uh, they really took the game on with the ball. You're not going to be able to stop it all the time, but um, our lads worked extremely hard. Uh, but yeah, ideally you don't, um, you like to kick that sort of score, but you don't like to let that many through. Uh, but yeah, I, I can understand for the purists, it would have been a pretty good spectacle. It certainly was an excellent spectacle last night at Giants Stadium. That was Bulldogs coach Luke Beveridge after the Dogs got over the Giants, the final score, 16-9-105. The Giants going down to the Bulldogs, 19-11-125. So 20 points in an old-fashioned shootout. Toby Green kicked seven goals, but Aaron Norton and Cody Waitman combined for 10 between them for the Western Bulldogs. And it certainly was an excellent game of footy. Probably one of the best halves of footy I've actually seen this year, Michael Barlow. Yeah, saw it live, so... Uh, felt privileged to be there for the first half in particular. And listening um, to Bevo, a lot of the call I was making reference in particular to Luke Beveridge, who would have had that shootout happening and he would have been thinking, oh, we want, we want to pull this game back a bit and get mm. some more stoppages and, and close it up. So good to hear his uh, validation, I think, there of, of his assessment on the game. As coaches can be, they can be a bit uh, pessimistic because, you know, watching the game, you win by 20 points, you kick 125, and a lot of his analysis was around not being able to defending the space yeah. as well as they would like. They took some opportunities out of centre square bounce, in particular in the third quarter, of which um, we've seen a trend, haven't we, this year? If clubs can get on a roll centre square bounce, yeah. you know, for five minutes, you rip the game away from the yeah. opposition, and that's what happened... In that third quarter last night, it was the dogs out of the centre. Unfortunately, Braden Proust goes down for the Giants in the first half. So Lockie Keefe has to really uh, fight out of his weight division. He's against... not really played much in no, the ruck, has he? <laughs> he he's, he's done. He would sit there uh, thankful for the opportunity, but Tim English for the third quarter yeah. uh, took the game away. Um, from the Giants in that centre square bounce? Yeah, pretty difficult. I mean, you lose, the Giants lose Matt Flynn before the game and then Braden Proust, obviously, during the game with an ankle injury. It means that Keith, Zach Sproul and, and Himmelberg a little bit mm. chopping out in the ruck. It made it really difficult for Mark McVeigh and uh, his coaching group to kind of manage that ruck situation. The other part that really impressed me about the Bulldogs, 19 marks inside 50 as well. I mean, we've spoken a lot about the Bulldogs over the past, you know, the first half of the season, really, and mm. their inability, I guess, to make the most of their inside 50s, whether it was the way that they were delivering the ball so much, um, hanging on the shoulders of Aaron Norton, but they had Jamara Hagen, Josh Shackey came into the side as well. What mm. do you make of their forward line structure, in particular because Josh Bruce yeah, played his first in game mm. back, three goals, got through unscathed in the VFL. I don't know how many games he might need, probably a couple more yeah. before he comes back into the side, but what's that makeup even going to look well, like? I think they... they Definitely need to continue to persevere with Jamari Hagen in the short yeah. term. Josh Bruce back from that that ACL. Josh Bruce would put his hand up right now and say, "I'm ready to play." However, the the cautious approach you'd imagine would be taken, and it might be a month block there in the VFL, and then it's yeah. okay. How are we going up top? How is the AFL yeah. forward line going? Uh, and by then, is Jamari Hagen 
you know, knocking them dead and, and mm. making it really hard for them to make that decision. So for, from um, that point of view, you know, Luke Beveridge and his match committee has uh, a really good situation on their hands. It's the other end of the ground, um, which does concern yeah, me. You know, it's Toby Green kicks seven, Taylor Jure goes out. Um, you know, Alex Keith is, is a tremendous defender. Top, can't do it all. Top echelon. Ryan Gardner tries his hardest but has his limitations. Uh, so, yep, the back half is the issue. Uh, but you asked me about the front half and right now it's – off of the back of last night's performance, Aaron Norton, big tick. Cody Waitman, uh, injury concern with elbow, but yeah, big tick. Um, and then Jamari Eugle Hagen, can he bounce? Yeah, he's a year and a half in now, and uh, I've loved his attitude across the whole journey. And you know that attitude has endeared himself to his teammates, and, and everyone's barracking for him to go really well. And we'll talk about this a little bit later on, on Sunday Crunch Time too, the pressures that come with being a number one draft mm. pick with Jason Horn francis and that whole discussion and debate that's been going around. But there's a lot of pressure on Jamara Hagen's shoulders as well, and uh, everyone, I think, wants to see him succeed. You can see what uh, an enormous talent he is, and I think he'll get there just obviously too with key forwards. And we'll speak to one mm. later on in the show in Todd Marshall, but it takes a little bit longer for the key forwards um, to, to find their feet at the level. Well, it does. Uh, absolutely. Hardest position to play. You, you so often get you know a really reliable uh, top-end defender. And uh, rightly or wrongly, it's easier to punch the ball and, and try and halve contests and, and, and defend than it is to try and clunk them and kick it through the, through the big sticks and, and to add to that. Team defence is is yeah, it's you know um, synonymous with AFL football. So team defence, it's not the one on one battle um, that Norton and Taylor. Yes, we saw a fair few one on ones last night, which was great because of the slickness of the ball movement. Um, but you know, to to the aggrievement of the Giants, they would have loved a bit more team defence and, and wingers dropping back in the hole and, and and supporting that key defender as well. So they're up against it, key forwards and. Uh, you know, at 19 years of age, you know, the best footy starts to hit, you know, 23, 24, yeah. 25. So the Dogs, they're 7 and 6 now. They're in 10th place. This win kept their season alive. They're one win behind the six-placed Tigers. have won four of their last five now. Marcus Bontempelli, probably back to some of his best footy last night. 28 disposals, nine score involvements. He certainly looked like he was moving better. I don't know mm. if he's been carrying something over the past month, but he hasn't looked himself. Last night, I thought he was back to his best. And if the Bulldogs are going to make a real run at trying to make the top eight, they need Bont up and firing. Yeah, he, he, um, he uh, that's a good issue to have for, for Luke Beveridge and the Western Bulldogs. That he's not absolutely knocking him dead because – what can um, happen? The reliability on Marcus Bontebelli can become such that opposition can just look at it and say, oh, we, we, we restrict Bont. Yes, they've got um, Dunkley and uh, McRae that, that can get away and, and have impact, but to the level of Bont, no. So the Bont last night was tremendous. Just that gazelle-like motion that mm. when he gets the ball and, and – his legs are going half the speed of the bloke next to him, but he's putting <laughs> yeah, putting on distance from them. It's ridiculous. You, you, yeah, you, you, you shake your head and think, how, how is this guy who he is? Um, with 28 possessions, 512 metres gained, seven clearances, and in that third quarter in particular, um, ripped the game yeah. uh, away from the Giants. Yeah, no, he was excellent. Jack McRae, I mean, you mentioned him, 37 touches, 11 those contested, 10 score involvements and nine tackles. He just 
he's so reliable. Week in, week out, he just goes about his business. He doesn't get mm. the accolades, I don't think, from the wider footy community about what he does. But internally, he'd be rated so highly. I guess we just tend to focus on the Bont and, and Aaron Norton, some of these flashier stars of the game. But Jack McRae is is right up there. Do you think he gets the credit that he deserves? Well, he doesn't and he won't. That's the, <laughs> the hard realities. And I don't think he cares. Yeah, you no. know, the way he holds himself and the way his hair's shaggy. and <laughs> um, so Yeah, I think he's he's very much one happy to, to go out, play his, play his role, commit to the team and, um, yeah, prioritise team success. But he is ungainly in the way he plays as well. Watching him, the kicking style has no right to be as accurate and mm. as, as efficient as it is. He, he kind of hunches over. He does things that uh, you know kicking consultants would look at and think, "What are you? What are you doing?" Um, but just so effective, and and week in week out, he'll he'll pick up the numbers, understanding that if a tag is attached to a doggy's player, it's so often. Uh, Marcus Pontepelli, so 37 for him, six clearances, um, and, and his toughness around the ball last night, nine tackles, uh, of which was um, at a really high standard. And they've still got Lockie Hunter also to potentially come back into this side, 30 disposals in his return in the VFL from personal leave as well. So there's... Hard to fit them all in though, I know, Nat. So I know, very there's always, so. And they're the side out of the eight at the moment with the most upside, I feel, to come back in. Yep. Um, they would be you know, just searching high and low on their list at the moment for someone that can come and play a key post back. Is it Buku Kamas who's who's played um, you know a spattering of footy as a back came in as a forward? forward yeah. um, so that might be something they look at. They they seem wedded at the moment to to the Gardner mm-hmm. Keith O'Brien situation. You know, Tim O'Brien's one that will only get better um, being new to their program in the back half of the year will be. A real growth area for him. So it's going to be a real test because you look at their next sort of month or so, five, six weeks of of footy. They've got the Hawks next week on Friday night. But then you've got the Sydney Swans who obviously have Buddy Franklin, Logan McDonald um, and and some other talls that can really do some damage in attack. Then St Kilda, you've got Membry and King. The D's talls as well, Cats and then the Dockers. So it's going to be a real test for the Bulldogs over the next five or six weeks if they're going to make finals. And it'll be really interesting to see what they do um, <clears throat> on the selection front as well with Josh Bruce. The Giants, though, I mean, we we have to talk about Toby Green because seven goals, a career high. I mean, he's he's the second Giant in history to kick seven goals in a game after Jeremy Cameron. Three of those in the first term. But he also had 21 disposals, 14 score involvements and 623 metres mm. gained. He was Everywhere. Everywhere. And at one stage I called it he kicked 10. And then <laughs> as I, I put the curse on the dog, oh, I put the curse on the Giants because as I said he kicked no! 10, uh, the doggies just took the game a, away. But seven goals and three goal assists. Yeah. That's 10. Yeah, that's that ten. 10. Seven plus three. There you go. He's, he's pretty much that. done the 10. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then the question will come in, in time. The Giants season is done. So the Giants says it'll be a real watch on on what happens next year. I've been really impressed with Mark McVeigh and what he's doing. The shift in style is as clear as you've nearly ever seen in a in a caretaker from you know a dour team defence with a lack of flair and imagination with ball, and now they can't defend, and now they're just uh, (laughs) absolutely ripping the light out lights out with ball in hand. But the the discussion point will will linger. You know, 
the three captain model at the moment with yeah. the Giants. Toby Green is the man for for that role. I, I feel they'll walk taller and uh, they'll they'll be more connected with Toby Green in that role as a standalone. It does come with you know, some awkwardness around um, you know, Steve Cornelio and um, Josh Kelly at the moment, who are doing not much wrong. To, to be fair, Stephen Cornelio has actually um, enhanced his reputation hugely since Mark McVeigh has taken over. But uh, the three captain model at AFL level. Yeah, full-time environments yeah, where... Yeah, I don't love it. Yeah, I'm not huge on it. I say that um, you know, with some... It might sound somewhat condescending in my situation where we've got dual captains, but at state league level, it's you know, they're, they're part-time commitments exactly. that, that so they need the, the shared yep. responsibility. Whereas, yeah, Toby Green, he, he has this aura and this ability just to just to say, I'm the man and here I am and and, and this is what we're doing. Um, and that's that's there for everyone to see. But just seeing the way, that I guess, you know, Stephen Keneally carries himself and, and the way he's spoken about the captaincy in the past too, I don't think it would phase him all that much mm. if, he, if he gave it up. It probably would help him because it has been – a weight on his shoulders for for a while, and and I know he struggled with with some of that. We saw that in in some of that making um, their mark uh, documentary that that went out a, a year or so back. Um, but I think Toby Green, you're absolutely right. He has to be the sole captain of the Giants moving forward from season twenty twenty three onwards. I mean, McVeigh. Do you think he has what it takes to be a senior coach and whether he wants the job yeah. or not or whether they want to go outside the Giants and, and look elsewhere? Do you think he has what it takes? Because they're playing quite an attractive brand mm. of footy right now, apart well, from the defence. Well, I, <laughs> well, I think what he's showing is that he'll be a senior coach in time, whether that's next year or whether that's in five, six years' time. He's showing oh, – I love his ability already um, to show initiative – as soon as he got the job, he's been on the record as saying, I've gone out and, and been ambitious in terms of who I've brought in. He's brought his good mate, Dean Solomon, into the mm, program. That, James Heard. Yeah, so James Heard's been been around the program, but you know, touched him probably more visibly to, to what he's doing. Uh, the Dean Solomon one for mine is a really strong one to suggest that he really wants to do it because Dean Solomon uh, had the caretaker role at the Gold Coast after yep. Rocket Eid in, in 2017, yep. um, got marched out, and... You know, Solly, uh, I was there at the time. Yeah, I was going to say. I was there at the time and he was under the pump. Like the personnel availability was was not there and, and potentially the support uh, outside of, of what he was doing wasn't there. So Dean would come in and say, you, you need to, you know, surround yourself with people that can make make this better and, and really empower those around, which you'd imagine Mark McVeigh is doing. You're watching the still shot in the, in the box so often – and you can tell James Hurd and, and Dean Solomon are having a big input mm. in terms of what's happening in game. So it's not a dictatorship. It's yep. very much Mark McVeigh showing vulnerability, saying, all right, we're in this together. How yep. can we get the best yep. result for all of us? And you know, whether that helps him in the short term to get the role. Um, I'd say he's, he's, he's up against it just off the, off the back of the Giants – looking to, to bring something fresh to their environment. Well, if you've got a name like Alistair Clarkson mm. floating about, it's kind it's it's hard, isn't it, to go uh, and, up against And they're that. being concrete. The Giants have been concrete in what they've done from a coaching point of view for their whole existence. So they had, you know, the Kevin Sheedy situation mm. of which Leon Cameron was directly attached to him. Leon Cameron's carried that through. Mark McVeigh's been there now, oh, I want to say eight, eight plus years or, or six to eight years with the Giants program. Yep. So for so long, the the Giants 
situation and circumstances has been concrete. The vibrance and and uh, variety that may be attached with someone new coming in, um, I think would be the way to go. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do there. That process still continues. All right, you're listening to Crunch Time for Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. Answer the camel's call. Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops will be back right after this to chat about the West Coast and Geelong game from yesterday. You're listening to the award-winning Crunch Time. Great to have your company on Sunday crunch time. Nat Edwards and a man who played for both the Gold Coast Suns and the Fremantle Dockers in Michael Barlow is with me. Also, coach of the Werribee Football Club in the VFL mm. who have won four in a row. Oh, Nat, we, we, we don't get seduced by win-loss. You know, we're, we're all about <laughs> Take the, it one week the process, time. Uh, the effort <laughs> and uh, the improvement. But we are doing all of that. We're improving. Uh, the processes have been good. And, yeah, a couple of uh, good results. So we played uh, Geelong yesterday who um, at times you, you probably get sides at the right time. You know, their, their senior side was in Perth, so they take mm. a couple of extra players um, away. Paddy Dangerfield, uh, I'd like to shout out to Chris Scott. Thanks for holding him over another week, <laughs> getting that extra fitness in to him before you put him back in the AFL side and drop someone back, but uh, no, things are going okay down there at Avalon Airport Oval at the moment. Well, excellent. Good news. And speaking of Geelong, let's talk about their win over West Coast yesterday. West Coast 9963 going down to the Cats 12981 at Optus Stadium. And the Cats have clawed their way into the top four, 18-point victors over what I can say was a pretty spirited Eagles side. It was really blustery conditions. Mm. You you couldn't tell too much on the TV, but post-match you heard Tom Hawkins speak about it. His hair was blowing around everywhere and um, and Chris Scott spoke about it in the post-match press conference as well how difficult the conditions were coupled with the fact that Geelong had also just come off a really heavy training block and that showed a little bit not to take too much away from West Coast to a much improved. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the West Coast situation will be a real watch for mine in the back half of the year in yeah. terms of they have been Despite all, yes, there's been the 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 COVID situation, the injury list, and lack of availability. At the core of it, though, they've been really poor. Like they, yeah. they've they've been, um, I think, yeah, dispirited at times, and just skill errors from senior players. They've looked as if they're, they're they're just looking for a timeout and looking for that 120 minutes to be out and and get off and look yeah. to the next week. But they're getting some cavalry back. It slowly filtered back uh, last week with, with the introduction, I think, of eight to ten players into their waffle side, yeah. uh, which has had probably one or two AFL-listed players throughout the year. So there's been all the issues that we know that the West Coast can, can grab, and they haven't, to their credit, grabbed them and, and, and said, this is this is why. But now they need to, and I think I have huge confidence they will, have a really strong back half of the year because if you have a side with Luke Shuey, um, back in. Elliot Yo comes back in. Now, Andrew Gaff's got a fair bit of footy uh, back into him. Josh Kennedy's still going to give you something in, in the front half to, to compete. Um, Shannon Hearn is an experienced player across halfback. Tom Parras is is oh. one that hasn't missed much footy. Jack it's Redden. So they've, they've, got, they've got players now um, that losing by 50, 60 points, it's not acceptable now. Never is acceptable at no. AFL level. Um, so yesterday was 
a pass. They got a pass. They got a pass. They did. And they welcome back, as you say, some of those players. Willie Rioli, too, before he got injured, was playing some spectacular yeah. football, too. Unfortunate. Mitch McGovern, uh, sorry, not Mitch McGovern, Jeremy McGovern mm. um, comes back into the side and then injures his ribs, uh, pro- probably broken ribs. He went to hospital. He looked like he was in so much pain as well. They also lost Tim Kelly to, to illness as well before the game. Yeah, so he, they just can't catch a break. Yeah, there is a, there is a bit of that, isn't it? And Tim Kelly's been one that's played most of the season, so he has held them together uh, for large chunks. So they need to. Uh, shape the eight. Like they're, they're going to look for opportunities to – they're not a club, uh, I can guarantee you this, that will sit there thinking, okay, we want to compete and win some games, but we still want access to the highest draft pick yeah. possible. They won't finish on the bottom of the ladder. Like they, they will climb uh, in, in the back half of the I'm, – I'm envisaging you know another two, three, four wins from them because their best going into this season, the experts and – and football public, we're still talking about West Coast as, as a side that could really compete, really, at their best. Um, so they've had the Annas Horribilis, but it's not beyond repair in terms of uh, climbing up a couple of rungs no, on the ladder. Certainly not, given that they'll get Tim Kelly back, obviously, from illness. Liam Ryan, Nick Natanui due back in a couple of weeks, which will be a massive one for them as well. They face Essendon at Optus Stadium next week, which is a winnable game mm. for them, even though Essendon did win and put in a really good performance on Friday night. The interesting part Adam Simpson talked about in his press conference is he talked about the evolution of, of their game and, and that they really needed to evolve since 2018, probably didn't evolve quick enough since then. And he said the Eagles are really trying to find a new identity with contested ball, a really big focus at the moment. So you can see what they're trying to do, how quickly they can, you know, reimagine themselves is the question. It's going to take a while. Yeah. And you look at their list and they haven't had any access to to top end talent for for years and years. years. So I'm, I'm looking at some names that can really assist. You say the contest and, and trying to, because they've always been a, a methodical ball use, uh, chip and change yep. lanes and, and try and work their way through uh, type of side and, and set up the web and set up defensively and, and restrict opposition from scoring. I'd love to see them go out and, and, and chase Paddy Dow. Go go out and chase a player like Quinton Narkle who who just hasn't been able to establish himself yep. in that uh, Geelong best side. Yeah, Brandon Parfitt's another one that I think is out of contract going into next year. Yep. The, the Paddy Dow one is you know opportunity. Narkel's a West Australian. Brandon Parfitt is uh, Northern Territorian. So th- there's specific, um, you know, trying to access guys that will come to your program and, and be really happy in WA and 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 connect with the the environment there and and get increased opportunity because yeah. you'd imagine at the end of next uh, at the end of this year for all. Shannon Hearn's done for all. Josh Kennedy's done. There's going to be a huge list revamp. Yeah, yeah they've got a lot of players over the age of 30. Speaking. Of Geelong and what Luke Jackson would be handy as well if Ooh. they can if they can pluck him. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think Luke Jackson is going to no, uh, I don't think he is. head back to the West at this point. Mm. Maybe later on in his career, but the D's I'm sure will be doing everything in their power to keep Luke Jackson at Melbourne uh, on Geelong. I mean, they're just they're just going at the moment. I mean, they've won their last four, so that says that they're in form. But they're they're yet to kind of hit their peak. And you don't want to be peaking mm. in the middle of the season by no means. They've still got players to come back. I think cohesion has been a real issue for them, just in terms of personnel. They've had mm. so many injury issues as well. You would have seen 
Max Holmes, uh, Asava, Radagalia, yeah. uh, and uh, Jack Henry all play in the VFL yes. yesterday. Max Holmes is the big one for me. Well, he was a big one at th- uh, for the third <laughs> quarter yesterday for Werribee as well. <laughs> so much so, we said, right, uh, Don Brew, you're our tag. You can go tag him because yep. he was so influential um, out of the middle. They're, they're the, the next wave, aren't they? Yep. For the Cats. They're, they've been aside, and there has been a bit of criticism lumped on Chris Scott for this over, over the journey, not giving guys. Opportunity, younger guys. So, you know, they're the Quinton Knuckles. Brandon Parford is the one for mine that has actually gone into that side as a young player and, and got good opportunity and, and good access to games. He makes them earn it. And, you know, that for mine is why they have been a top four, top six side for the last decade under Chris yeah. Scott. They haven't got the ultimate um, since 2011, um, but they've been. Tremendously consistent because they back in their core senior players. They know when the going gets tough, you know, they're going to dig in. They're going to they're going to get moving for you, and they're going to be um, really high end players in the contest. So I speak of you know Sam Menangola who comes back in off off a limited preparation mm. yesterday and has a real impact. Yeah, you know, Brett uh, Chris Scott to his credit, he keeps backing in Luke Dalhouse, and I reckon Geelong fans have <laughs> have cut Luke Dalhouse off at the knees yep. ten to twelve times in the last uh, ten to twelve months. But there's trust there, and, and I, I admire that so much from Chris Scott and his uh, coaching group that he, he backs and invests in his his guys. And Max Holmes, Zavarada Galea, guys that aren't getting that opportunity would look at that and think, oh, I'm, you know, all I've got to do is I've got to get in and build that trust and build that trust, and, and then there's a 10- to 12-year career there for you. Yeah, and then you look at Tyson Stengel. They put, you know, they're backing him in mm. to turn his career around, which he's done. So he was the difference yesterday, really, with – Three goals as well. I want to talk about Tom Hawkins, though, because he kicked his 700th career goal. He became only the 26th AFL-VFL player to achieve the milestone. He had three goals yesterday. This is what Chris Scott had to say on Tom Hawkins after the game. I think it's possible. I think our our approach is to be open to that possibility uh, and make sure that our program reflects that. You know, we're, we're certainly... If you take the other end of the spectrum, which has been, I think, sort of assumed in the AFL world for a long time, that once you start getting to 30, you're not, um, you know, a bit sore or a bit out of form, you're old. Uh, We just don't subscribe to that theory. So Tom Hawkins, uh, 33, about to turn 34 next month. The question was how much longer could he play for well into his mid-30s? I mean, he just seems to be getting better with age, doesn't he? Well, he, he does. And oh, I love that. The Chris Scott um, audio, um, some might take up pretty well, I thought, in terms of just saying he he loves uh, the guys that he backs in and puts age aside and, yep. and, and the trust just is the there. He, he'll, he will know that um, what comes with that is some patches throughout the year where you know, Tom might not be at his best. And Paddy Dangerfield, you know, we might pick up a, a soft tissue here and there, but the weight of numbers of the season is going to give you a real chance to to get to the postseason. So it's all about that, isn't it? Find a way yep. to win enough games to play finals and then the real season starts and, and Geelong, to their credit, have always got there and always been in the discussion. Uh, and it's not foreign to them. Like they played Andrew Mackey till he was you know well into his 30s. They played um, you know, a number of players probably maybe a, a year or two too beyond. Too <laughs> but... Yeah, that, that's that's putting yourself out there. That's 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 putting your chips in. Where does Tom Hawkins sit for you when you look at the best forwards of you know the the modern era now? I mean, 
700 goals. When you look at Geelong itself, you've got Gary Ablett Sr. in terms of all-time goal kickers on at their club. And then you've got Doug Wade, who's on 834 goals for Geelong that he kicked. Mm. I mean, Tom's got another, what, 133 to, to yeah. go to get there. Do you reckon he could get there? Well, he could. <laughs> if, you, if you back him in for another three, three. or four years, he gets yeah. there. What I, would, what I would put him on the top of is the good blokes list. He is, he is an outstanding person, yeah. Tom Hawkins. And it just comes across in his humility in the way he – he plays, and whenever you hear from him publicly, he's got a personality, and he he, he opens himself up to you know a, a bit of a rib tickling from from certain people, you know, about um, certain elements of, of him, um, and and he he embraces that, and he gives gives as good as he gets. So he's just a great person, and getting all uh, the rewards that he uh, he so richly deserves. So he'll be sitting um, up there on the acreage there in. Uh, I'm not sure what the suburb is. He's out somewhere outside of <laughs> Geelong en- enjoying a, a farm life but living a professional athlete lifestyle. 700 goals. If he plays another three or four, it's a, yeah, it's 150, isn't it? 50 goal seasons. Yeah, why not? And if he's still kicking 50 goals in three years, I guarantee you he's not stopping then. Exactly. And the thing I love most about Tom Hawkins too is – Goal assists-wise, he is such a team player as well. So he may have given off about 700 goals throughout his career as well. He's such a team player. I've seen him roll in to open goals and have players five minutes behind him and he handballs back and you're like, what, Tom? (laughs) That's a man that's not worried about his spot in the side. I guarantee you if I'm rolling into an open goal five minutes out and I'm thinking, I've probably only had about 12 possessions here. I need to put one on the scoreboard, uh, to validate my spot next week, I'm kicking it. So Tom Hawkins, uh, superstar on and off. And obviously that combination with Jeremy Cameron too, the probably one of the best one-two duos in the AFL competition at the moment. Just a fun fact, you talk about Geelong's amazing record when it comes to, to finals. If they do make the top four this year, and, and mm. they're in fourth right now, I can't see them moving out just having a look at their, their draw. I reckon they're probably a lock for top four now. It'll be 13 times in the last 16 years that they've finished top four, but... It's premierships. That's yeah. what it all yeah. comes down to, isn't well, it? Well, no, that's what comes down to the discussion around uh, Chris Scott and, and the – not the hate, but the the discussion around, you know, why do they keep going with him yeah. so often? And Geelong people and Geelong supporters are, are right at the, at the top end of that because they, they want to win premierships. They're there, they're there to win. And they've become accustomed with being in the discussion without getting the result. Two-year contract extension for Chris Scott, which I love. Um, you know, keep backing a man in that in an eighteen team comp. Yeah, they're hard to get to. That the top four the prelims are hard to get to. Um, and if you continually get there and, and put yourself in the discussion enough, um, one's going one or two or three in time, uh, it's going to click. Yeah, it certainly will. They're certainly a contender, uh, Geelong. All right, still plenty more to come on Sunday crunch time. Of course, we do have one game of footy still to come for round 14. It is the Gold Coast Suns in 11th place at the moment, up against the Adelaide Crows, who have been impressive in patches this season. They're in 15th spot this game at Metricon Stadium. A massive chance for the Gold Coast Suns with the Swans and Saints dropping games this round. So it'll certainly help those teams just outside the top eight. The Suns, obviously, one of those looking for a finals berth. That game coming up later this afternoon. Still plenty more to come, though. Stay with us. We're going to talk about Jordan Degoe, Jason Horn, Francis, plus Port Adelaide and Sydney on the other side of this break. You're listening to the award-winning Crunch Time. 
everyone and welcome to Crunch Time. This is the pregame show for Thirsty Camel. Answer the camel's call. Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. It's great to have your company. If you're just tuning in for the first time, welcome. Hope you've been having a great weekend. If you're on with us for a second hour, then thanks for sticking around. It is Nat Edwards and a man who played for both the Gold Coast Suns and the Fremantle Dockers in Michael Barlow with me this afternoon. Welcome to you, Mick. Good to be here, Nat. Yeah, good first hour, dissecting all of the happenings across the round and a bit more to get to. Uh, Thursday night footy through to Sunday afternoon footy. It's um, a footy feast. It but, is. Uh, it's also can be a little bit vanilla, can't it? Because there's, there's no game till 3.20 today, <laughs> but a know. good game. Don't don't put uh, the Gold Coast Suns and Adelaide Crows away. That's going to be uh, a rip snorter in my uh, humble opinion. Yeah, I agree with you. A massive chance for the Gold Coast Suns because obviously the Swans and the Saints dropped games this weekend, so it's going to help them as they look for a mm. finals berth. Yeah, absolutely. If they win today... In the next three or four weeks, it'll be the biggest patch of the Gold Coast's existence. You know, there's going to be opportunities to to pick off a couple and, and maybe jump into the eight. And if they're in the eight, you know, round 17, 18, that's as big a story as, as Carlton in the top four and, and, yep. and you know, anything else. During the rounds at that point, the Suns in the eight, it's, um, yeah, well overdue, but... Uh, Absolutely potential. Oh, certainly. I mean, if they play like they did against Hawthorne and North Melbourne up in the top end, those back-to-back victories, then uh, they will, if they continue that, they will um, certainly run over the top of the Adelaide Crows, who have been impressive in patches, but a young side still quite inconsistent. If you're just catching up with the round so far, well... You've missed a, a beauty last night, a Saturday night shootout at Giant Stadium. Toby Green kicked seven goals, but it wasn't enough as the Dogs kept their season alive, notching up their seventh win for 2022. The Cats clawed their way into the top four following a win over a spirited Eagles outfit. The Bombers handed St Kilda a reality check and put a dent in the Saints' top four hopes. Hopes the Tigers down the Blues to jump into the top eight as Carlton slipped out of the top four and the power. They surged home yesterday to stun the Swans and kept their finals chances alive. We will in a few minutes speak to Todd Marshall, who has been in some excellent form, probably a breakout season for him so far. But the game yesterday, Port Adelaide and the Sydney Swans, we might as well get to that one now, it was a really, really good contest, um, but it was the third term where Port Adelaide just blew the Swans out of the water. They kicked six goals. It was pretty much a 15-minute demolition. Uh, the Swans had the last five inside 50s of the game and they peppered, but they just couldn't convert the Port Adelaide Football Club getting the win over the Swans by 23 points. And disappointing for Sydney, who yeah. had been a contender and beat Melbourne just a fortnight yeah, ago. Yeah, and Port Adelaide made them you know, look second rate, didn't they? In terms of the uncontested game, that's that was where it was won and lost. On the outside of which Sydney, with the top-end talent they've got, that's the game they, they like to play. They're really good and and capable in the contest, but their yep. ability to get on the outside and and break break lines and use players like Jake Lloyd, use players like Nick Blakey, use players like Ollie Florent. Yeah, they were non-issues yesterday for Port Adelaide, those particular players, because they defended the ground really well. Um, Port Adelaide, they took away uncontested chains and, and, and were really competitive at the contest and uh, played the game in their front half, in particular in that third quarter. Looking forward to talking to Todd Marshall because they're a side 
that haven't been able to find what their mix is at yeah. the moment. You're, you're watching at the moment and you're watching Finlayson, Georgiatis, you're watching Marshall, you're watching Dixon. So they've gone really top heavy in their front half uh, yesterday for the first time. Obviously, Bryn Tekel went out, so Finlayson had to shuffle up the mm. ground a little bit. Um, but they're a side that are absolutely still trying to find what their best mix is. Yeah, certainly. And no Travis Bokey was out with the health and safety protocols. Robbie Gray was managed. It's the first time that neither of those blokes have played um, in 10 years. It's massive amount of experience goes out of the side, but Port Adelaide were able to get yeah. the job done. And, and we spoke about Todd Marshall, and we will chat to him soon, but four goals, eight marks, and really criticised too, which I, I'm interested to get his point of view on this because he was roundly criticised um, across the, the first five rounds when Port barely won a game. And I'm interested to ask him, I've got on my list of questions to mm. ask him. I, I listened to um, you know, a fair bit of SENSA and, and Kane gets chat on and it's, it's really great insight. You know, mm. An assistant coach to come on weekly and um, Chad delivers his feedback on the radio like he used to when he played. He's... <laughs> He is black and white. He says, yep. no, he's not going well enough. He's not going well Love enough. That. We've got to get better here. Um, and in a two-team town, that that would get legs and that would find its way into the cars and onto the radios and, and into the, the phones of um, players. And Todd Marshall is absolutely one that yeah, that position we talked about. We talked about Jamari Hagen as a key forward earlier. Um, the, the position is a key forward. Young coming through, a fair bit of um, pressure and responsibility on him. And, and Todd Marshall, yes, yes, that was a great step in the right direction. Um, and his last month uh, to six weeks has been very admirable. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we spoke about that earlier in the show about how much longer it takes for key forwards to kind of develop. But Todd Marshall was good yesterday. Uh, Charlie Dixon, two goals in the third term, his third game back from injury. He's only going to get better as, as they go on. Ollie Wines, 34 touches, 14 yeah. contested and, and 10 clearances. He was excellent. And Connor Rosie as well, stepping up after Zach Butters, unfortunately injured his knee. They're thinking it's probably a medial at this point, so maybe four to six weeks mm. out. But Connor Rosie stepped up as well, 29 touches and a goal. Yeah, he did. And, and they're, they're the ones, aren't they? They were, they were the, the toast of the town. Your Connor Rosies, your... Your Zach Butters, your, your Xavier Dersmans. The arrow. They were the three players that every other club w- w- were looking at yep. and, and with envy and yes. saying, oh, Port Adelaide have got three genuine A-graders mm. here at 19 years of age. And um, you know, all three have different circumstances, but all three haven't developed in the last six months or, or taken their games to the level in the last six months. Connor Rosie probably to an extent has, yeah. has been the one that has. Um, and sometimes we clump these guys together um, unfairly. So there's a bit of work to do um, with, with each individual to make sure they keep improving and don't rest on your laurels because this game catches up with you so quickly. And in a two-team town, again, like Adelaide, the plaudits will come and you can very quickly uh, bathe in that bathe in that bath. Well, it feels pretty good about yourself for, for, for some time, but it can quickly come and uh, uh, scratch you uh, very, very quickly if you – don't continue to put in the effort and have the good attitude around it. Well, Port Adelaide's pressure was outstanding yesterday from start to finish. They won the tackle count by 22, which is their highest differential for the season. The Sydney Swans, on the other hand, so disappointing given that they had beaten Melbourne a fortnight ago. They had the bye. They just looked a little bit flat. I mean, Isaac Heaney was good. He kicked 
four goals. Cal Mills tries his best every week, 27 touches. The real concern for me is, and this was highlighted on um, the round so far on afl.com.au with Kane Cords and Riley Beveridge, but the goals conceded within games now. So the Swans letting teams get on a run. Round 10 against the Blues, they conceded six goals in a row. Round 11, seven goals against the Tigers. Round 12, five goals against the Ds. Round 14, seven goals against Port Adelaide. Is this a major area of concern for the Swans now? And and how do you arrest it? Is it leadership on field trying to arrest something mm. like that when teams get a run off? Well, it has to be. Yeah, it absolutely has to be. Like the coaching and, and training and all of that is, is tremendous. But the 120 minutes uh, of the game on the weekend, the, the ownership and the leadership um, is handed on and the 22 that, that need to get it done uh, are wearing the boots and wearing the jumpers. So it is a concern, and again, I look at the lower end of performances yesterday from the Swans, and they carried far too many yesterday. I think you know Callum Mills and Isaac Heaney were the two that walk off after that game, you know, having having probably contributed to the level. Luke Parker, ten clearances, um, you know, played a played a, a fair game. Beyond that, you know, if three or four are kind of buying in and, and burying into a good performance. That leaves a lot to be desired for the rest because, um, yeah, there was a lack of imagination and a lack of output uh, from the remainder. Peter Adams, uh, interesting talking point. Obviously, ex-Port Adelaide Ruck is coming up against his former site. He was really undisciplined in a couple of patches yesterday. He gave away two feet kicks in about five minutes, both that resulted directly in goal in goals, and he'll actually come under scrutiny by the match review officer for a punch to the ribs on Ollie Wines. I expect that, well, I would hope that he would mm. get a week for that. It was intentional. couple of brain fades. What are you, What's your thoughts on, on Peter Adams? And uh, I can imagine he'd get a pretty hefty spray from yeah. uh, John Longmire. John, he was dragged as well. John Longmire is not the guy I would be looking to uh, <laughs> upset. Okay, so there's a number of people in, in footy that – I wouldn't like to upset. And John Longmire is probably right up there with Ross Lyon. The way you watch him uh, deliver his press conferences, I think he has a bit of a hard edge. The occasion for Peter Adams yesterday, playing against his old side at his old home ground, he would have really enjoyed the the prospect of that. And it didn't go the way he would have liked. So what comes with that is disappointment and frustration, but you need to handle that disappointment and frustration better, of which he didn't. And clearly the Port Adelaide players knew as we all know, if we spend four or five or six years with uh, someone in an environment like a professional sporting club where you're living in each other's pockets, yep. you know exactly what makes them tick. Um, I never got the chance to play against my old side, uh, Fremantle, but I guarantee you there would have been 18 to 19 guys out there, <laughs> if we, if I did, um, making me tick pretty, pretty quickly uh, with uh, just the little side notes and the understanding they would have had of me. Yeah, I can imagine. We'll ask Todd Marshall about that. If mm. there was, you know, a, a conscious effort to really go after him, knowing that he can kind of blow his gasket at times. And I'm just seeing on Fox now the replay, but he's having a nice chat to Ollie Wines and they shook hands after the game. So 
Who knows what the match review officer will think of that little uh, punch to the ribs, but uh, certainly think that uh, Peter Adams may not be playing football next week. And it's an important game too because Sydney now face St Kilda, both of them dropping games, both of them a little bit vulnerable to slipping Mm. out of the top eight. As we know, it is just so tight at the moment at um, so that bottom end of all the way from sixth all the way to to ninth, tenth on the on the well, ladder. What are you going to need to play finals? And so oh, we're I thirteen know. games in, and uh, I haven't. I'm not a uh, live ladder guy. Uh, which <laughs> I don't, some people have a lot of time to do the live ladder um, you daily. Your, you can do your ladder, ladder predictor That's on afl.com.au. The, the, yep. the, the ladder predictor. Um, there's a bit of a plug for your employer. Yep. Very good. So I, I should, shouldn't should uh, be tongue-in-cheek. I'll go home and do my live ladder tonight. But right now you, you sit here, and we can get caught up in the wash of the week-to-week highs and lows, can't we? So right now we're probably looking at Carlton and saying, oh, you know, they're, they're sitting on nine wins. Are they certainly to make finals? They but will. Yeah, yeah they, they absolutely will. We've just got to you know, take, a, take a deep breath and understand that you know, that's one week. One week. And, yep. and, and Frio recently had those two weeks – um, where they went bang, bang, and, and people yeah. were saying, well, now they've got Melbourne, then they've got Brisbane. Um, so where do they sit after those two games? Are they a, a, a worry of dropping out of the eight? So, yes, we've just got to take stock at times, but the real um, discussion will be on that edge of the eight, of which Sydney missed an opportunity to jump up um, and leapfrog Carlton yesterday, which they would have yeah. gone from uh, where they are now to, to fifth. And percentage out of the four. Now they're the the live discussion around. Uh, yeah, if they don't pull their socks up, bang! You know, it's yep. Collingwood Bulldogs, the Suns, and the Power coming. Yeah, so you got Richmond, Sydney, St Kilda, Collingwood, all on eight wins at the moment. That's six to ninth on the ladder. Then you got Dogs on seven wins. The Suns obviously played today. They're on six, and then Port Adelaide six and seven as well. So they're nipping at the heels of those guys. And I'm looking at the run home for a lot of these teams, and I just don't think there's any easy games anymore. As such mm. is the evenness of the competition. If you and, and don't the, play your best footy yeah. on the day. Well, St Kilda, Essendon, isn't yeah, it? So the, the 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 lower sides at the moment are getting personnel back. So West Coast getting personnel back, Essendon getting personnel back, uh, Adelaide and North are mine of the are the sides that even at their very best, uh, um, you know, are the the bottom tier sides. So yeah, you don't want to really uh, be chalking up a certain wins against West Coast at the moment. Essendon just showed exactly. To the point, their, their VFL starting to play better. Yesterday they had a win over Sandringham, so mm. they're getting you know, 10 to 12 to 14 players available at VFL level, which is always uh, a great indicator that, that your seniors um, you know, are near, near on full strength. Well, a man we spoke about earlier who kicked four goals yesterday for Port Adelaide was, of course, Todd Marshall, and he's been good enough to join us on Sunday Crunch Time. Todd, welcome to you. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Uh, just talk to us about yesterday. I mean, such a great team performance and it looked like you were playing like your season was on the line. Was that spoken about before the game at all or you're just taking things at one week at a time? Mm, Footy cliche. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, could use that um, Could use that cliche. But no, nah, we, we knew the challenge that, that Sydney are and, um, you know, they're such, a, such an honest side and, um, you know, they show up each week. So we knew that we had to be at our best to, to beat them. And, um, yeah, luckily yesterday that, you know, everything clicked for us and, and we were able to get the points. Hey, Todd, Michael Barlow here. Nice to talk to you. So in terms of 
you, you said everything's starting to click. I had a, looking at your lineup, it's it's been a bit of a, an in and out job for a lot of players a, across the year. Yesterday, you had Georgiades, you had yourself, you had Charlie Dixon, um, you had Finn Layson, you had Teek, who, who was making his debut. So you went really tall. Now you're trying to find your right mix. How did you find that mix? I know um, the debutant went down, um, but it seemed to to work uh, fairly effectively. Yeah, that's right. I think we're just trying to find the right mix. And um, obviously, we've, we've Mitch coming back into the side. Um, one of his greatest strengths is, you know, that he can run up and down the ground and um, sort of use his legs. And um, so, yeah, I, I guess they saw a little opportunity there for him to sort of play a little bit more um, half-forward role. And, um, yeah, I thought he, he did that well yesterday. And um, obviously, it's unfortunate for, for Big Brinny to, you know, obviously go down in his first game. But I thought the way that, um, Jeremy and Charlie fought on in the ruck was, um, you know, massive for us getting the win. And, um, yeah, I think it's going to be important going forward. Yeah, have you spoken to, to Bryn? Because we loved the story around his de- debut yesterday. And uh, I think the quote was made that uh, he's quoted as saying it was the best 35 minutes of his <laughs> life. <laughs> yeah, Kenny touched on that after the game. Um, yeah, you know, I think he's only been there for, for two or three weeks. But, um what he's brought is just you know a lot of enjoyment and a lot of energy and um, yeah he's just such a bubbly personality so um, yeah I'm sure he will attack his rehab and and come back in the back end of the year and um, yeah we look forward to having him because yeah I think in his first you know 35 minutes or whatever he said he played um, I think he showed a fair bit for us so um, it was very exciting. You yourself, Todd, kicked four goals, eight marks. A lot was made about your start to the season. Obviously, the club as a whole didn't travel all that well, that 0-5 start, but you've kicked 21 goals in your past eight games. I think it's 27 um, at the moment. And and Ken spoke about it in the post-match, sort of you making a few people and your critics look a little bit silly. Just talk me through what this season has been like for you, handling that criticism and, and being able to work your way through that. Yeah, it's um, yeah, like I said, I, I didn't start the year how I wanted, and you know, I was really confident going into the season. I thought I had a a really good preseason, and um, yeah, so I was really confident. And those first two rounds were, you know, re- extremely disappointing for myself. And um, but yeah, I touched on it a couple of times, um, just having a few chats with with Kenny and Travis Boak, and um, sort of just narrow, narrowing my focus to, you know, get back to enjoying my footy and not putting too much pressure on myself. Um, I think that could be a factor in, in my turnaround, but um, I think it's just putting myself in the contest and um, sort of with Charlie being out, I sort of had to take a bit more ownership of that forward line and, um, yeah, I guess just try and get in as many contests as I could and, um, yeah, try and make some things happen when I get the ball. So how are you feeling in terms of, it's a it's really good insight into to how you've a, a, attacked that and, and absorbed, um, you know, that critique earlier in the year about how you were going and, and you just essentially got to work but what does help you know Charlie Dixon comes back into the side what are you sensing at the moment in terms of opposition uh, putting time into you are you getting the number one defender or is it um, Charlie Dixon that is taking that away and you can have a bit more flair and use that athleticism really well to to come in and take those marks um, I had I had Rampy for um, the whole game yesterday so um, yeah he's obviously a, he's a class defender and um, yeah he put a Put a fair bit of work into me and um, was was pretty physical, but um, yeah, I think one of the silver linings of of being that number one forward for the first um, half of the season was that you know, I was able to to take the challenge of the number one defender and 
um, sort of learn what they want to do with you and, and how they want to play you. And, um, yeah, just each week I was taking learnings out of it. And, um, yeah, I guess this is helping my growth. And, um, yeah, moving forward, hopefully it, it, can, it can continue. But, um, yeah, at the moment we're just taking it one week at a time. Todd, Michael and I earlier in the show were talking about the pressures on young key forwards and that it often takes longer to develop it, in particular those ones who, you know, were taken fairly high in the draft. You were picked 16 back in 2016, so a first-round pick. Just is there too much pressure placed on on young kids sometimes coming through and that pressure to kind of develop and that expectation? And, And do you think that you're more resilient now when you look back at the whole experience? Um, yeah, potentially. I think there, there's this pressure um, if you are a high draft pick and um, especially if you're a key forward and I guess it's just about learning and like you said, building that resilience and um, yeah, my first four or five years in the system, um, they, weren't, they weren't very flashy years or anything like that but I think I just learned and um, sort of allows you to, to build your game around you know what you want to do as a forward and um, but yeah, the, to have the backing of, of also your coaches and your teammates and, and all the staff at the club is, it's been massive for me personally. So, um, but yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of other forwards out there that they get the same backing from their from their um, club. So, um, yeah, maybe there's a little bit extra pressure if you're a key forward and, and you're not performing. But um, yeah, I guess that's the the business that we're in, and um, you sort of got to be able to perform to. Um, yeah, not not get that pressure on you. And you're in uh, ripping form, seven in the last two weeks. But uh, Kenny Hinckley, there's a fair bit of uh, commentary ar- around him and, you know, two-team town there in Adelaide. So there's always discussion around who the coach should be. What's your relationship like with him? Uh, and maybe take us behind the curtain because he looks like he can give a, a fearsome spray. Uh, but it would all be followed up really well with some, some love and care uh, from what I'm hearing because he's, he's a joy to watch and I'd imagine he's a joy to work with. Yeah, um, Kenny's been been probably one of the most important people in my career um, to date. So, yeah, I've got a really strong relationship with him, um, especially in my early years with, with everything that happened with me. And, mm. um, yeah, you know, he was always there as my support and sort of become sort of a father figure for me, um, sort of living away from my family. So, um, yeah, and I love Kenny and, and I love what he brings. And, um, yeah, I think there's, there's probably some harsh critics out there. And like I said, it's, it's a business that we're in, but, yeah, I can't fault Ken for, for what he's done for me and, and what he's doing for our club. So, um, yeah, he's got my full backing. Five-year contract on the way there for, for <laughs> Ken Hinkley after Todd Marshall uh, gives a nice, glowing recommendation. Indeed. Now, uh, Peter Adams, your, your ex-teammate yesterday, involved in a couple of uh, undisciplined acts, one of them that I think is going to come under scrutiny with the the MRO with a, a little punch to the ribs of, of Volley Wines. But it looked like... As a team, you got under his skin a little bit. Yeah, was that spoken about at all before the game? Just you know how to sort of uh, poke the bear, so to speak. Oh, not really. Um, I guess we touched on it, you know, for especially for Bryn's first game that we just wanted him to um, attack the contest against um, you know Peter Adams, and um, yeah, I sort of missed both the incidents, but um, yeah, it looks like you know the boys got under his skin, but. You know, whether that was a tactic that they were trying to do, um, yeah, I don't really see much from from down in the forward line. But um, yeah, I guess they, those two goals come at crucial times for us, and um, yeah, it sort of got the crowd involved and, and gained, uh, gained us a bit of momentum. So 
um, yeah, whatever was said, I guess um, it got under him. But yeah, I'm not too sure. How much confidence does yesterday's win give you? Because I'm looking at your next sort of five, six games. You've got the Suns, Frio, Giants, Melbourne, the Cats, the Pies and Richmond. So all teams round about there competing for a spot in the eight if they're not already in the eight as you are. How much confidence does beating a team like Sydney give you to be able to take on some of these matchups that will be a pretty tough sort of five or six week block coming up? Yeah, that's right. Um, there's obviously a, a nice challenge for us going, moving forward and um, I think against Richmond we showed you know a few signs of getting back to our um, you know best footy and I think yesterday we were able to, like I said, click and play for four quarters and I thought our pressure and everything was right up. So, um, yeah, I guess when we play like that, you know, we can move the ball a bit freer and um, be able to score a bit more easier. So, um, but yeah, it's just backing up each week and um, yeah, taking the challenge on and, you know, our fate's sort of in our own hands. So um, it's going to be a really good challenge for us as a group. Well, we look forward to seeing what Port Adelaide can produce over the next month or so of footy. Best of luck with it against the Suns next week. And uh, we can't wait to see you continue your good form. Thanks so much for joining us. No worries. Thank you for having me on. Todd Marshall there from the Port Adelaide Football Club. He is having a breakout season and it's good to see him flying for his marks and uh, kicking some goals. Four goals yesterday and eight marks against the Sydney Swans as Port Adelaide look to keep their season alive. Just one game of footy to come here to wrap up round 14. It is the Gold Coast Suns in 11th place taking on the Adelaide Crows who are down in 15th spot. That game at Metricon Stadium to come. Michael Barlow, our expert, is here for Buy My Stock. Got excess stock. Visit buymystock.com.au. We'll be back after this short break. You're listening to Crunch Time thanks to Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops, Nat Edwards and Michael Barlow with you, Mick. I want to change the conversation now and talk a little bit about Jordan Degoe. He has mm. been a walking headline for the past five days or so. Obviously, footage of him parting emerged on Friday. He was shown dancing with a couple of women, um, making some rude gestures. The Pies then confirmed on Saturday it was aware of the footy footage and now Jordan Degoe mm. himself has released a statement on Instagram. Yeah, and, and the statement, uh, give me one word to describe your feelings on the statement. <laughs> I just didn't think he took responsibility. Exactly. I think it was bizarre. Yeah. I think it was, yeah, we we just had a discussion. You, know, you, you see that Jordan Degoe releases a statement. And that's the clickbait, and you're like, okay, this is this is good. You'll have a look, and, and you'll you'll get some uh, remorse or some some explanations, and and from there you can move on pretty quickly. The statement has added fuel to the fire yeah. for, from my point of view, and and won't uh, appease the public in terms of their perception of, of what's going on with Jordan Degoe and, and and how he's behaving because Kane Corns, our very own Kane Corns came out and quite dramatically said it's it's not the right call. And you know, that's why we love Kane, because he makes calls that make people think and stimulate thought. And as soon as this happened, it, it, it validates exactly what was said by Kane. I wouldn't imagine too many AFL players at the moment on their mid-season break are away outside of Australia. Yeah. Um, I know some would go to, go to the Gold Coast, go to Queensland. Sydney, it, it's a great time for 
players from the country to go connect with with their family. Yeah. Alex Pierce, I've seen he's in 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 Tasmania. You've just got to make better Choices. decisions. Yeah, yeah. you got to make better decisions around. You've got realistically you've got four days off. So four days off of which socially back in the day you would have one good night out, go and have a have a good night out, tear up the dance floor, do what do what you want. <laughs> And then you're training. You've got a training block. You've got to stay nice and fresh and healthy. Yeah, Bali's not the right environment for that. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought so. For our listeners who haven't seen the statement, this is mm. what Jordan Degoe put on Instagram. I want to take the opportunity to thank my family, friends and supporters who have checked in or sent messages of support in the past 24 hours. I want to openly address the relentless pursuit and persecution of athletes by the media to create an uneducated, biased and ill-informed narrative that has gone to far. I am one of the lucky ones with amazing support. However, not all athletes are so lucky. This will end in tragedy if no one speaks up. It's time for change. So he's calling for change in terms of how athletes are treated. I just think he failed to take full responsibility for his actions. And in stark Mm. contrast, you look at the statement that Bailey Smith put out last week after the vision of him Um, with illicit drugs came out, immediately took responsibility. Mm. And that story has nearly gone and he's been lauded for the way that he's handled things and Mm. people are supportive of him. With Jordan Degoe, it's the complete opposite because he went to New York. What happened happened there eight months or so ago. He's Mm. out of contract, a restricted free agent. There's a lot at stake for Jordan Degoe and – this is just not the right statement, I think, that you should be making at this time. Yeah, and we've got to be yeah careful not not to pile on, I suppose, because yeah the, the the situation is that Jordan Degoe is affecting Jordan Degoe the most. So that the person that Jordan Degoe, from my point of view, is is limiting and limiting the potential and the capacity to go go on and. and create a great football career and become a great person. Right now, it's it's Jordan Ngoi is limiting, him, limiting himself. Yep. Uh, why is that? Because out of contract, playing okay football yep. uh, at, at a club that's going very well. And Collingwood would be looking at this and, and not sitting back at all. That, they'd be on the front foot. I'd be intrigued to see what was going on or what would go on behind the four walls when they have the discussion around this statement. Yeah. Because that statement is a Jordan Degoe statement. It's not a statement from the Collingwood Football directed Club, no. with the, the support of the Collingwood Football Club. Collingwood will back themselves in to get Jordan Degoe up and going on the field and support off the field. 17 other clubs right now, I'd be amazed if 17 other clubs are, are seriously considering pulling Jordan Degoe out of Collingwood. So what that does is Cuts him in half, doesn't it? Cuts his salary in half. Of the which... players don't have to offer him as yeah. much if so there's the... not those suitors. And if you are a player at another club, would you want your club to go after someone like Jordan Degoe with that amount of money that he could command given mm. the off-field issues that he has? Culturally, do you think that's yeah. a good fit? And time, time is a, a great weapon and resource right now for, for Jordan Degoe. So it's a mid, mid-year point of the season. The New York situation, yeah, is behind him and behind everyone now. So, and you know, we're, we're really quick to forgive. So, with a week ago, two weeks ago, it was we're, we're moving on. We're looking at Jordan Degoe, and we're thinking, how good is this? He's he's up and he's up and going, and he's contributing, and he's he's pushed that to the background. Yep. This one now surfaces. Um, it, it's it's very clear there's going to be no follow up in terms of criminal or or. or or whatever the case may be there, because 
um, yeah, of Jordan Ngoi's bullishness around that that statement would suggest that they're just going to get on with it and, and move forward. But the, the football media and the football world will stay in, stay in, uh, stay in and address it and and discuss it yeah, for the next course. couple of weeks or, or, or few weeks. Time will assist him. You know, within a month or two, if he can get on with it and and put the misdemeanors behind, show an element of remorsefulness at, at some stage or, or an element of education around how he's behaving and what he's doing isn't, isn't and spot show on. show that he's learning yeah. from his past mistakes. I mean, as part of what happened in New York, he had to make a $10,000 mm. charity donation, um, been doing some work with the Salvation Army as well, but he also had to undergo alcohol rehab program mm. after being involved in that incident. So... I kind of look at this whole Bali incident. I'm not sure he is entirely learning from his mistakes. At the mm. same time, you do understand players need a break. They need to, mm. you know, just relax and not think about the rigours of football. And it's it's a tough job. Too. Yeah, it is. And and also what comes with being Jordan Ngoi and being a, a top 2 to 5% AFL player is you're held to a higher level of accountability, yeah. um, which right, rightfully or wrong, wrongly that – that's what comes with the paycheck. That's what comes with the extra endorsements. That's what comes. You know, you could put your hand out for the for the monster energy, the, the big bucks, yep. and 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 you know the, the lucrative um, side side hustle. You then you do you do hold yourself to a higher level of accountability to the to the other ninety five percent of AFL players. So that's the circumstance they're in. Um, and right now, it's yeah, it, it's uh, ticky touchwood how he's going about it. I want to turn the conversation now to a young 18-year-old, a number one draft pick who has been, I guess it's been a pretty tough start to his career at North Melbourne. I'm talking about Jason mm. Horn Francis, currently suspended for a couple of games, but he's found himself in the headlines as well in recent weeks, but for on-field mm. issues. I mean, he's under so much pressure at the moment. He's delayed his contract extension talks with North Melbourne. We know how the ruse are going on field, but he's come under fire for his body language. That's been criticised on field. He's clearly frustrated that incident with a heated discussion with Todd Goldstein, a senior member of the Kangaroos side. What have you made of all of this talk? Because I think it's mm. been overblown. Yeah, and I'd, I'd agree with you that. I, I, I called that game for AFL Nation last week, the, the GWS mm. North game, and some of my comments, um, yeah, thankfully, they made them into the into the into the click. Click grab <laughs> around his effort and and a little bit about the about the body language, yeah. but yeah, you know, I've got to be circumspect and and um, you know really straighten those those comments yeah. up to to suggest that he is an eighteen year old yeah. and he's a first first year player playing in an underperforming team and that frustration yeah wasn't just evident with with Jason Horn Francis he is the one we can easily grab and say well he's the number one draft pick he's what we're pinning a fair bit of hope in mm. in the next four or five years and. You know, there's a circumstance around the contract and and, and whatnot. So, um, yeah, we do have to be uh, very empathetic to young players that come in and have that increased amount of pressure on them because they have the number one draft pick attached to him. What I what I would suggest um, is the frustration boiled over. He, he whacked Josh Kelly, got the two weeks. This next two weeks, which will become three weeks with the buy that they've got. It'll be a really important three weeks for him because what's taken away from him now already is footy. Yep. So he loves footy. They all love footy. They all love playing footy. For mine, watching Horn Francis play last week, 
he was going through the motions. He wasn't giving great effort. But now he'll have to sit in the stands and watch and be taken away from the environment he loves. Do the extra training session. Do the 12-kilometre match simulation sessions on the Saturday morning before they play. Oh, and yuck. I guarantee you that he will then have a have an increased uh, gratitude for the career he's got. Yeah. So I think uh, whilst we don't condone the, the incident with Josh Kelly, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the bounce back from Jason Horn Francis. Not in terms of going out and having 25 and kicking two. Just coming back and... And having fun and, and being vibrant and yeah. enjoying, and looking, his yeah, looking to commit to the effort. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, he's shown plenty of effort and intensity. I, mm. I actually love his passion, and he's so competitive, mm. and his frustration just shows how much he actually cares. And I look at that. If I'm a North Melbourne supporter, I want to see that in mm. a young kid who's 18 who might go home, but he clearly cares. And even that incident with Todd Goldstein for me isn't there healthy conflict that you oh, can have absolutely. it as teammates as and, well. And I think credit to the North Melbourne players. They're not they're not in a great spot at the moment. The, the club and yes. the team as a whole, but what they had what they are doing and watching the game live, you know, the first quarter the Giants got away and, and went bang. Quarters 2, 3 and 4, there were moments where you could tell they were connecting and they were communicating and they were they, they, they were buying into to what was going on and an example I'd use is Jaden Stevenson and I mentioned this on air last week that he he was having a shocker. He couldn't get near it. Couldn't couldn't access the ball. But what he was doing was communicating and setting players up and and putting in 150 meter efforts to chase and yep. and tackle. North Melbourne fans, that that will quickly turn. That that will quickly turn into 12 players doing it to 14 players doing it to 16 players doing it, and the results will then start to come. So the back half of the year, I'm optimistic North Melbourne improve. The Jason Horn francis situation, he'll have greater gratitude for, for what he's actually doing uh, and he'll be doing it with a smile on his face. And hopefully the Brews can extend his contract as well. All right, still a little bit more to come here on Sunday Crunch Time. We'll be back after this to wrap it all up. You're listening to Crunch Time thanks to Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. Just the one game to come as we look to round out round 14. Gold Coast up against the Adelaide Crows at Metricon Stadium. Michael Barlow has been with me for the last hour and 45 minutes. He's out, though. He's got some VFL uh, Channel 7 responsibilities to get to. So we welcome in Sam Hargraves. Welcome. Hello, Nat. Jeez, as a coach, wouldn't you have been disappointed if those is your options uh, for players uh, out Barlow in Hargraves? <laughs> I'm we, quite happy with that. Thank situation. you. That's a very, very, very different situations in. <laughs> in a radio room uh, or on a footy field. But uh, no, it's, it's great to be here. Um, and I've been enjoying the show and, and so much to discuss as well. And it just feels weird, doesn't it, that we've got one game on the Sunday. And I'm, so long to wait for it. I'm so glad that the three-round, the three-week buy rounds are are coming to an end. I actually, I don't mind it. I, I know that it's a bit weird having one game of mm. footy on a Sunday afternoon, but the fact that there are less games of footy to consume and, <laughs> and there's no overlap. The thing that gets me is on That's a Saturday, a you're point. trying to watch two games of football at the same time on Saturday night and there's an overlap. I hate the overlap. I just want to watch nine games of footy, one after each other. I'm yeah, fine with that. Which there are plenty of hours <laughs> in the day to be able to do, but that is a conversation. Hey, we can pick that up on the other side of this. <laughs> But I just thought quickly, uh, we're, we're joined by Josh Jeans from Dabble uh, as he joins uh, Sunday Crunch Time every week. G'day, Josh. G'day. How are we? Good, mate. What's new in the world of Dabble this week? Oh, look, everything's happening on Dabble. Plenty of sports going back to, uh, you know, happening all the time. So it's good to see. And, of course, the Crunch Time team always having a crack as well, Sammy. 
How'd they go yesterday in the multi? Well, you, you thought the Eagles were going to get punished, you know. You thought it was going to be a 40-plus point win by the Cats, but uh, sadly, the Eagles were competitive for once, which was, you know, a shock to everyone, I think, in the AFL world. Um, but, you know, there's always time to bounce back today as well. So we're going to same-game multi, which is good. Uh, Suns versus Crows, who are you liking there? Uh, look, the Suns, for me, they've won, I think it's four out of their last five. Uh, Crows had a good win against West Coast uh, before their... Um, yeah. before their buy, but I think the Suns have got uh, finals firmly in their minds, and, and well, they should yeah. be considering that. So I've got the Suns today, but I don't think it'll be a blowout by any stretch. Yeah, well, we've got the Suns to win it. Shoulder kick two plus. Casbolt's going to kick straight and kick two as well. Took Miller, well, we know he finds the ball, don't we? 30-plus disposals for him. And uh, Benny Keyes to pick up 25 or more disposals. That one's paying 25 uh, no, $5, rather, and, of course, you can just copy that bet with one click. All you have to do is download the Dabble app, go on, have a Dabble, Dabble socially and gamble responsibly. I, I think that is a very astute <laughs> Dabble multi. Uh, I like it, Josh. Hey, thanks for joining us. We'll speak to you next week. Sounds good. See you then. Now, Sam, before we get on to our uh, Duravedge bounce back, I just mm. want to remind everyone to check out the AFL records. One of the best parts of going to footy is getting your record. Mm. But uh, in this week's record, we honour the eight inductees, a new legend who admitted to the Australian Hall of Fame during the week on Wednesday night. That was a brilliant night and a rare interview in the record with Tony Lockett, who obviously inducted his former St Kilda teammate in Nikki Winmar. So that, make sure you check out the AFL record. That night, I think, is the most wholesome, yeah, um, heart warming. Yeah, feel good night. Oh, isn't it? it's it's everything that is great about the game. Yeah. It, it is recognising that the people that have paved the way for the players that are there today. To I think you learn something every year, like the yeah. history that you find. Um, you know, I, I didn't know anything about Michael Taylor except that Norwood's best and fairest is mm. named after him. But then to hear about his career and uh, the journey that he went on and. Um, I just there was so much to take out of it, and so much that you learn. I almost think that it's everybody's duty as a footy fan to watch to it, watch it every yeah. year. And the other thing I always come away thinking is how much how poorer the game is for no state of origin anymore, because it is a factor in in elevation um, into the Hall of Fame. And Russell Ebert was you know one of South Australia's greatest, yes. if not their greatest ever. He's now a legend. But it is, it, it's one thing that gets pointed to by everyone that speaks and, and inducts that person in um, to, to the questions that get asked by Jared in the interview. We invariably come back to state footy at some point. Oh, I'm, I just, I, It'd it, be incredible to bring it back, but I just yeah. I can't see it happening in this in this day and age. I mean, we've got players and coaches fighting over six day breaks and like, well, where, where are we get where <laughs> are we going to put breaks. five day well, breaks? Come we, on. We've just had three weeks of like stretched out, <laughs> yes. you know, of, of buy rounds with mid season draft and possibly mid season trade. Well, one of the big issues I think back in the day was that Mick Moldhouse's whole West Coast Eagles side was the state side. <laughs> yeah. He wasn't really keen on heading out for another game or a series no, of games. Of course not. But now that there are and it's not always going to be like for like, but we've found that you can find players to bring in and fill a hole. There's more ways to bring people onto your list at, at more True. at more time at, at at more regular intervals than just the draft. So maybe that's a way that you can minimise, not fully replace, but minimise any potential damage that will be done by an injured player. Well, there will be a new AFL CEO from and next year. And if you pay year, them so that. Maybe. Well, yes. Because as we know. Money. AFLX, do they get paid for AFLX? Yeah, they did, bit, but yeah. That's, that's, that's to be the never spoken about again. <laughs>
I can't believe I brought it up. Yeah, I, I apologise, Shame everyone. on you. <laughs> shame on us, really, Fray Felix. But um, the, the state of origin in the rugby league, they, I think they're paid about 30 grand a game. Yeah. You wonder why the players don't want it gone. Oh, I, yeah, I'd be putting my hand up to play State of Origin just quietly. Yes. Uh, the bounce back for Juravedge providing erosion control and environmental revegetation. Who are you looking to bounce back this week or who has bounced back in round 14 so far? Well, what I'm expecting is the bounce back after a bye because that can sometimes trip teams up. So, Geelong. So, yeah, well, we know that they're here. And she's a, uh, we're made to earn it yesterday yes. uh, against West Coast. But so the Suns, you, you come off a bye, you're in really good form. Back to back wins. Yeah. And, and I think it's three out of the last four, four out of the last yep. five. I had it written down. I just, it's just not in front of me at the moment. So that would be a big challenge for them to have had some time off and now to reset yourself, reapply yourself and reset yourself for that goal of, of making your first ever final series because they're right in the mix for it, just two games out of the eight. So that's the bounce back you want to see. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that game, 3.20 this afternoon. The bounce back I want to see next week is St Kilda, Sydney Swans. That's going to be a cracking match. St yes. Kilda handed a reality check by Essendon on Friday night. Brett Ratton was so utterly disappointed with that performance. As you would, be. As you would have been if you were a Saints fan. I, I don't think any of us saw that coming. And, no. and the coach obviously didn't at all. So really looking to see St Kilda bounce back strongly next week against the Sydney Swans, who will also be looking for yes. redemption. The scene is set <laughs> I, I, perfectly. I called that game yesterday and, and we were just sort of waiting for the other shoe to drop with mm. Sydney. They kicked the first three goals of the yeah. game. Um, Port Adelaide respond with the next four. It was pretty even in the second term. Um, two goals apiece. And then we thought, okay, after the break, Sydney will get the rocket from John Longmire. They'll come back out. They're, they're too good a side. But it was anything but. Port Adelaide kicked seven in a row from the last in the second quarter, then to six unanswered uh, in the third, they were phenomenal. Oh, that, the pressure that Port Adelaide had all day from mm. start to finish was quite incredible. And, uh, yeah, the Sydney Swans, a couple of concerns there in terms of letting uh, some run-ons happen against uh, teams in the past four weeks or so. Yeah, I think um, I heard you bring that up uh, earlier, that, mm. that that would be a, a defensive concern for them. What's going on that's allowing, you know, I, I can't, put my finger on it, what it is that's uh, letting them down. But I'm sure that, that those who do go through the analytics quite deeply, um, who will go back and watch all the vision um, in slow-mo, whatever they need to do. And I'm sure that John Longmore and the coaching staff are doing exactly that as well, that what's happening to mm. us in those moments that we can't stem the flow. And sometimes it is a little addition to that is the beauty of the 666. Because when you kick a goal, Ooh, yeah. the reset in the middle. Yep. You can't You're back on terms. Put numbers back. Exactly. All right. Uh, just before we go, your tip for this afternoon's game. Gold Coast up against Adelaide at Metricon Stadium. Uh, I've got the Suns. Yep. Uh, but I think it'll be a really entertaining game because I think the Crows will want to move the ball as quickly as they possibly can, um, given just some personnel changes that have had to occur for both teams, so I'm expecting it to be a pretty fast game. Well, I am looking forward to your call of this one. Matt Hill's in the house as well. Thank you so much for listening to Sunday Crunch Time. We'll be back again next week. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.